Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snacket Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will Smart Food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to frito to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void but prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at frito Welcome to the Canon Cast, a weekly podcast from the Canon, SB Nation's blog about the Columbus Blue Jackets. There is only one game left in the NHL season. The Blue Jackets aren't playing in it, but we've got plenty to talk about, including the signing of Vini Villavainen, a possible trade of Ryan Murray, and of course, the biggest news in Blue Jacket land, the loan of goaltending prospect Daniel Tarasov to Finnish club Porin Asat. It's June. I am Ryan Real, and joining us for this episode, we've got Will Chase. Hey, Will. Hey, Ryan. And we've got Eric Seeds. Seeds, how you doing? Hey, folks. How's it going? Good, good. Will, you are the new owner or not yet owner of a Seth Jones jersey? Oh, yeah. Well, I'm an owner of it, technically. I should have had it Friday. I I was not home, so I missed it. So I had it rerouted to like the... UPS store to pick up, and it was supposed to be there today, apparently, but it wasn't. So I'm guessing tomorrow. Gotcha. Well, good for you. Yeah, it should be fun. Yeah, congratulations on your on your new purchase. That's a big deal when you get a hockey jersey. I haven't had one in years. I mean, years. Seth Jones is uh, yeah, Seth Jones is obviously the best player on the team. So I mean, he's a safe bet. <clears throat> yeah, that's smart. He's hey, not going. Look anywhere. at it this way: it's gonna be, be it's gonna be good for longer than my most recent jersey purchase. That Panarin guy, I've never heard of him, <laughs> but yeah. Or your yeah. Sam Gagne social media night jersey. Oh, hey! To be fair, I didn't pay for that. <laughs> I, know, one I, know, I know, I know. That's pretty cool. It's a good jersey. What's his? What was his handle? Just Sam Gagne eighty nine. Was it Gagne eighty nine? Eighty nine S Gagne. Ah, yeah. Classic. Yeah, and and, that, and then I won it, and then the Blue Jacket staffer who brought it to me or who told me I won yelled at me for swearing in front of little kids. I'm like, I'm sorry, I was excited, guys. <laughs> it's a hockey game. Come on. Uh, anyway, so we've got a lot to talk about tonight. First off, we'll just get it out of the way. Game seven, Boston, St. Louis, uh, Boston won game six um, in a lopsided score, but actually a pretty close game. Game seven will be Wednesday. What do you guys make of this series and who do you think is going to win? I think I think Boston's going to win it. I predicted Boston before the series started. And I'm sticking with that. I think last night it looked like 
almost for a little while, the moment might have been too big for the Blues. It certainly was too big for Brett Hall to handle his sobriety. Oh man! Um, pregame, he he had he'd had a few to he'd had a few very clearly in the pregame, <laughs> but uh, I just I don't I I tr- I guess it just comes down to I trust Tuka Rask and I trust that Bergeron line more than I trust anything the Blues are doing. I think I think the Blues had a chance, but I don't think winning two out of three, winning winning the two games in Boston to win the series seems like a monumental task, and I just don't think this Blues team can do it. So I I trust Tuka Rask in Boston on home ice. Um, I would probably yeah, I think uh, probably Bruins and seven. I mean, I know that was my pre or pre Stanley Cup pick, but um, the thing about the Blues is. They had a they have a very I mean I think they're under five hundred at home in the playoffs and they're a, a really good road team and once the puck drops for game seven all bets are off because it is game seven but if momentum is a thing and being at home obviously helps uh, it seems like the Bruins should have I mean it seems like the Bruins would be the team to win it all at this point but and of course like you said with Tuka Rask and just the veterans that they have anyway but. I won't be surprised if the Blues do win. I mean, I, I think, I don't know if you guys saw it, I'm sure you did yesterday, where a couple of letters uh, dropped prematurely for the Blues. One was their congratulations on winning the Stanley Cup, and the other one was we had a, a like, reflecting on their season. So yeah. whether you believe in jinxes or not, um, that might have uh, hurt the Blues' karma a little bit. But I'm thinking Bruins and seven at home, but like I said, once the puck drops, all bets are off. But I'll say I'll I'll stick with the Bruins. That St. Louis Post Dispatch, they ran that they ran those ads too early on the E edition of the newspaper, and yeah. uh, that's rough. Yeah, jinxed it. Especially because the Post Dispatch had the headline after I guess Game Five it was where it was like what a trip, talking about the ostensibly mm-hmm. this Stanley Cup series, but making reference to a missed. Tripping call that allowed St. Louis to score second goal of the game, which proved to be the game winner. I agree with you, Seeds. I mean, I agree with both of you. I think Boston's going to win. But Seeds, your point about trusting Rask and Bergeron and that leadership group enough to win. I think that's really where I'm heading into Game 7. Not that I don't trust Bennington or you know Ryan O'Reilly or whatever. I, we've just seen Boston do it. And, you know... St. Louis's struggles, at least in game six on the power play. Boston, if they can take care of business. And the officiating has been such a storyline, a dominant storyline for this whole series. There's a competition committee meeting uh, on Tuesday about expanded video review. So we're gonna we're gonna Boo. hear about that all summer. Um, yeah, you know, and and like I mentioned, the missed trip and the video review and this whole series has really been dragged down by officiating miscues and controversy. And so that's, I think that's definitely going to play some kind of role in game seven. How does it, I mean, every penalty is going to be, you know, excruciatingly scrutinized. Right. In the, in the, in the, the Bruins have been able, their power play has been on fire in this panel, in this uh, final and the, the Blues penalty kill, I want to say, is only at like 65, 68% somewhere in there. So, like, you give the Bruins two power plays, that might be your season right there. Right. And St. Louis hasn't exactly been disciplined in this series. It looks like they're trying to set records for for uh, guys getting suspended in the playoffs <laughs> here. 
And and you mentioned the Bruins doing it. Not only had, did they win it in 2011, but remember they they blew that game against the Blackhawks in the final. Yeah. Um, remember that? Yeah. And they blew that game seven. So I, I trust this leadership group that they'll have most of these guys, most of the guys on that in that group were here for at least that 2013 final. So I trust them to have learned from that experience and to know what it takes to see this see this series out. And when it comes down to it, I not that I don't trust Jordan Bennington to play well, but I would if I had to put my money on one of the two goaltenders, I'd rather put it on Tuka Rask. Yeah, and it, I was going to say if if Boston wins, Rask is the MVP. No question. Absolutely. Right. I will say this, though. If my math is correct, the Blues are 9-3 and three on the road in the playoffs, which is just crazy. So, mm. I mean, they have that going for them. Um, they have, I mean, that's wild. The, the, the Blues, I'll say this. They shook it off against the Sharks when they, you know, pretty much got screwed in the overtime, the hand pass, the loss. They said, you know what? Flush it. Forget about it. Be ready for the next game. Obviously, they're going to be ready for this game. And... You know, through everything that they've been to, been through, um, you know, I, I, I think they're done. Technically, I think I think Boston will win, but I don't know. I just can't, I can't uh, just dismiss St. Louis. I mean, it would have been so easy to throughout this entire run, throughout when they lost seven two um, at home in their first Stanley Cup playoff game in forever. Um, you know, then of course the. Uh, chance to close it out last night and falling flat so it might just be that they're a road team but yeah i think Tuka Rask, the leadership they have like i said that momentum and this is kind of a crazy side and has nothing really to do with it but just thinking the the boston sports world has had kind of tragedy as far as like Havlicek dying during the blue jacket series i believe and then of course david ortiz thing and i don't know it's sort of just and buckner died too whole who was it? Yeah, a Buckner, right? I knew I was forgetting somebody. So I mean, they've had, they've kind of had a weird thing with that and the whole like Boston Strong thing. I don't know. I, I could see the Bruins just another thing for them to rally around. And Lord knows they need another championship to celebrate. Of course, it's only been far, four months. Far too long. Hey, the Celtics didn't win, so they have to have something. <laughs> right? Can we? Can we just? Can we give something to these poor aggrieved Boston <laughs> fans? Yeah, it's been um, too many months. Best of luck to them. We do have Jackass news to talk about. There was discussion that Ryan Murray's name had come up in talks between the Blackhawks and the Blue Jackets. Of course, Ryan Murray, the defenseman who forever... Good season, but got hurt and derailed his season. It's kind of been the modus operandi for the last couple of seasons with the 25-year-old. He's not even 26 yet, which is mind-boggling. So. What do you guys make of the Murray to Chicago smoke? Bye. When I when I wrote his player review a few weeks ago, yeah, Ryan Murray's a fine player. He played he played really well when he was healthy. He took Zach Rensky's spot on the top on the top pairing. Um, he he was you know used used to see games out. Unfortunately, like you said, Ryan, he cannot stay healthy. You know. I mean, if you just go through his if you just go through his career, he missed he missed his entire rookie season, the lockout year, played 66 games, 12 games. He's played one 82 game season, the 15, 16 year. And then the last three years, he's played a grand total of 160 games out of what? What is that? 246. 
I mean, it's just not good enough. He's he's missed basically the equivalent of an entire season over the last three years. And if someone, if the Blackhawks are willing to give us uh, an asset in this draft that we really are lacking in, I think we have to take it. Not that I don't want to see, not that I don't want to see Murray gone, but you know, bye. Yeah, agree, agree. Um, yeah, when I saw the, the report that the Blackhawks might be interested, um, and I don't remember exactly who was putting this trade out there, this, this potential trade. Um, I saw the actual article, I think, I believe in The Athletic, but I don't remember if it was a verified source or just a fan <laughs> throwing out a trade scenario of, oh, how about the Blackhawks trade like a Nisimov and whoever for um, for Murray. But I was thinking, yeah, I mean, n- not necessarily that trade, but in general, like uh, Seeds just said, if they were willing to give up an asset, I mean, it's hard not to do it because as good as Murray is and was this past season when healthy, like we've already said, he's never healthy. And uh, I mean, he's still only, what, 25 years old. He'll be 26 basically when the next season starts. But I mean, I would definitely look to get what I could for him Um, because like you said, he's hurt, misses too much time. And yeah, I mean, I just think... Some people, I actually put out this tweet um, the other day about, you know, he's had a really good season until he got hurt again. And if the Hawks want to give up assets, the Blue Jackets should be all over that and don't think twice about it because, you know, for the most part, people seem to agree. But then there were a couple people that were like, I have a hard time giving him up that, you know, basically giving him away. But I'm like, you know, you, you can't trust him to be healthy. So you kind of just have to take your chance, I think. And hopefully you can get whether it's a draft pick or something that will work out basically for both sides, but especially in this case for Columbus. Right. I, I kind of disagree with the idea that I've seen floated around that, you know, what if you trade this guy and he, he goes and his plays healthy and blows up. Well, I mean, good for him, I guess. And that's a risk we'd be, we should, uh, we'd be taking here, but nothing about Ryan Murray's career to this point tells me that um, that's really all that likely. And you asked who the you asked who mentioned that it was uh, a league source telling Scott Powers, uh, right? Will. Yeah, Powers. Yeah, um, but uh, Scott Powers of the Athletic. But I, I'm I'm not really worried about you know what if Ryan Murray goes and suddenly starts playing 82 game seasons for the rest of his career. I just I don't really think that's all that likely. Maybe a change of scenery will do him some good, but I'm willing to take the risk and get the asset back. Agree. That was the uh, Anton Strawman case when he went to New York and the doctors in New York were apparently a lot more adept at figuring out what was going on with his lungs. And then he went to Tampa and blew up. I mean, that's that's the that's I guess would be the worst case scenario. He becomes Anton Strawman, which, OK, fine. One thing I did find interesting in that athletic piece by uh, Scott Powers was the evolving hockey contract projection model puts him at a three year million deal, which is about David Savard money. So I think you can trade, not that the Jackets are hard up for cap room at all this summer, but I think that's a fine trade because now the bill is coming due on the season and there, there are no more picks there. So this is when you start trading some of the, Hey, 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 we have two. That is correct. I'm sorry. Right. And the other part of that is if Duchesne signs, then you lose your first next year. But I mean, that's something more to worry about, but this is the this is the the time of the summer where you know start looking like Ugh, okay, 
kind of it might yeah it might be a chance to recoup a draft pick but um yeah i mean it's kind of like i i've a lot of people i mean i know we're not on bobrovsky or panarin but just like how i was ready to be kind of past the whole saga of bobrovsky and panarin i would kind of be ready to i mean i like murray but if they were to move on from him you're kind of under that or you're you're out from under that cloud also of like if he can stay healthy it's just another question mark that you would kind of i guess alleviate so not that i'm like trying to usher him out the door but if he were to be traded or something and columbus gets something that they can use going forward i mean it's kind of like all right we don't have to worry about that potential murray injury cloud anymore right we don't have to be scared anytime he every time he gets hit in the corner yeah 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 and and every day-to-day injury that is no way it's day-to-day today's episode is brought to you by cars.com with over 2 million vehicles and 50,000 more added every day cars.com will match you with the perfect car for you your budget your life your style and if you're ready to say goodbye to your current car, Cars.com will get you an instant offer to cash it in. Just start by entering your license plate and get matched with a local dealer who will write you the check. So whether you're looking to buy or sell, just go to Cars.com. It's magical. The Jackets did make a signing in the past week since we've spoken. Uh, Vinny Villavainen has signed a two-year entry-level deal with the Blue Jackets. The goaltender from Finland was recently named the best goaltender in the league, in the Finnish Liga, uh, the Erpo Ilonen Trophy. And I know I didn't have to say that because everybody knows what that trophy is. But he will be coming over to North America most likely, probably with Cleveland next next year. And so it's a, that's, a, that's a good signing. That's exciting progress there. We've certainly got goaltender depth. <gasps> yeah, I was just going to say, I don't know. I don't know about you guys. I don't know what the level of play is like over in that league. but. Anytime you're leading your league in goals against, save percentage, and shutouts, obviously he's pretty good. So I'm kind of anxious to see how he does. It'll be good for him to be in Cleveland and get that year because, you know, Elvis is going to be, you know, likely uh, sharing the, at least sharing the crease with Corpusalo, most likely. So it'll be interesting to see how this all plays out. Yeah, I'm excited to see what he can do. Um, you can never have too many goaltending prospects and, uh, Options just kind of like defensemen, so I'm really excited to get him over here and see what he does. If he's if he can play half as well as he did over in the Finnish league over here next season, Cleveland will be looking pretty nice. We'll have some depth in the organization. We'll be all right. So, yeah, excited for him. Would you say that Finnish league is on par with like the AHL over here, or is it a like slightly above, or what would you think? Oh, I have no earthly idea. Yeah, I don't know either. But like I said, if he's leading the league over there and it's one, you know, he's been like the top goalie the last two years now. Um, I think he's definitely ready, at least for the basically the next step as far as getting over here and uh, trying to elevate his game. And uh, it, the whole the whole thing about the Blue Jackets hit with all their goaltending depth, it just defeats the national um, storyline every other week or so where you see Blue Jackets losing Bobrovsky. How are they going to? be able to move on without him. And it's like, well, obviously you're not paying attention to the goalies that they have pretty much ready to take over. So, you know, just if you're not, when you, whenever the national media starts talking about Columbus, I'm always just like, yeah, they don't follow this team very, very closely. They're going to fall apart and be terrible. Oh my God. (laughs) Pretty much. Yeah. 
That's one thing that Yarmo said in an interview with the Athletic last week. They were asking about, you know, what if you lose Duchesne, Panarin, Bobrovsky, Dzingel, you lose everybody. And he brought up the Islanders, which mm-hmm. is not the same at all because they had a new coach and a change, a completely different defensive style change and all of that that came along with Barry Trotz. But still, the point stands where they lost Tavares and everybody thought, well, that's it for them. And they had quite the nice little season. And he drew a comparison to uh, Finland, actually, in the World Championships with no NHLers rallying together and, and winning the whole thing. So, Yeah, no, no, making, making predictions for next season this far out's a fool's errand. I am excited, though, for the first kind of hint of trouble uh, in, 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 the, in the Blue Jackets' crease. And I'm ready. I'm ready to call Vinny Villavainen up from Cleveland and to save the season. I'm already ready. I Absolutely. Don't know what it's I be. mean, if they lose, you know, if, they, if they're in fourth or fifth place, you know, second week of October, it's never too early to speculate. Hey, St. Louis was in last place in the Central in January, and they're 60 yeah, minutes Jake away Allen from winning who? the Cup. Yeah. Right, like, who's, who's <laughs> yeah, Jake <what>? Allen? <laughs> <laughs> you can hear it right here on the Canon Cast. We said it first. Vinny Villavainen will be next year's Jordan Bennington. Write it down. Yep, mark it down. Vinny Villavine and Con Smythe winner in 2019 or 2020. They can't uncast. It is set in stone. It's happening. Well, as you can imagine, it's June and we're, you know, there's not a ton of things to talk about. We don't, we're not really going to talk about Daniel Tarasov. I'm sorry. People are excited about that. Unless you guys have an opinion on Daniel Tarasov, another goaltending prospect for the Blue Jackets, but I just like the name Porin Asat. I think that's a fun, fun name. It means Pori Aces. Honestly, until. Until you mentioned he got loaned out, I had no earthly idea that even happened. So that goes to tell you where I'm at and keep <laughs> goaltending prospects on the Canon cast. Some we we solicited uh, reader questions on Twitter at CBJ Cannon, and uh, thanks to those of you who who wrote in, I do have an opinion on Evie's evolution, but I don't know if we need to share it here. There was a question or a comment from Union Union Blue for Life about overpaying Duchesne. He said overpaying Duchesne would be on par with Montreal's overpaying of price with possibly worse results. Guys, with the bidding war going on and, and you know, there's rumors of Nashville and, and do you think the Jackets could, should, would overpay, whatever that means to you for Matt Duchesne? I think that, first of all, um, you know, Carey Price is a goalie. It's, it's. I mean, yeah, if, if we were talking about Bobrovsky, yeah, it's apples to apples, essentially, because you're talking about a goalie, you're overpaying for a guy like that in your crease, but we're talking about a center that the Blue Jackets have never, I mean, for the most part of their, of their uh, franchise history, they have sought a center who can basically do what Dubois is t- hopefully turning into, but, you know, Duchesne's a veteran who came over, Played splendidly. Um, I mean, if they can add a guy like Duchesne, yeah, okay, maybe you're paying, you're overpaying in the end. And the last couple of years of his contract, you want to get out from under it. But you're hoping that the next five or six years, you know, takes the cake on anything that uh, would happen as far as playoff years and scoring potential. And you've got a guy like Duchesne on the first line, you can put Dubois on the second and so on. Or, you know, it just adds depth. That, Columbus needs at the center ice position. I yeah, I completely agree. I don't think there's any way you can possibly overpay Matt Duchesne short of giving him like Connor McDavid money. Um, this team's got cap space to burn. If they want to give him an eight by eighty contract, fine by me. He he solidifies the lineup. 
at the center position. He lets everyone play a more natural role. Um, him and Dubois can duke it out for uh, the first line center position. However, and that can be settled on the ice or however they want to deal with it. Um, the way I look at it is this. Do you want to save the money and skimp out on paying Matt Duchesne and trust Alexander Winberg to play the 2C role for the next four to five years? Frankly, I think paying Duchesne a little bit extra money and uh, maybe his contract hurting in the last year or two of the deal is worth not having to live through Alexander Winberg trying to carry a top six line in the NHL. That's another thing in that Yarmo interview. He was all about Alex Winberg. I know, right? Hey, you gotta, you got, got, gotta pump that trade value somehow. <laughs> now, if if they were to lose out on Duchesne, I mean, Kyle Turris is out there, right? What do you guys think about a guy like that taking over if Duchesne is out the door? If Duchesne's gone, they gotta get whoever they can get. I think. Right. I mean, right. you got, you got, you got to find a center somehow. That's the thing, and we're we're not talking. I mean, not nothing against like a winger, but I feel like obviously it's tougher to find that center i mean as good as panarin is and he's a game breaker and you don't replace a guy like panarin i don't feel too bad about trying to at least replace his production if guys like bjorkstrand atkinson so on can do what they were showing last season um but it's we've seen them try to plug and fill the gap of a center and like seed said a guy like Duchesne will let everybody else play in a more natural position, whether that's on a specific line or just in that position itself, instead of trying to put Polino or whoever at center to make up for it. And of course, Wenberg, we don't expect him to really do anything at this point as far as anything offensively. So yeah, you, I mean, even if it means overpaying a little bit, I would rather do that and see how they do with it for the next five years or so and worry about the latter end of the contract, you know, eight years from now or six years from now. Right. At worst case, we're looking at it like a Brandon Dubinsky situation six years from now. But, you know, at that point, Zach Grinsky will be near 30. Seth Jones will be over 30. PLD will be a mid, mid, mid to late twenties. Like that's a problem. That's a problem for half a decade from now. I, I'm way more worried about the next couple of years when this franchise should be contending for Stanley Cubs. And I feel like paying Matt Duchesne and keeping him around does far more har- or does far more good than harm toward that end. Yeah. Well, and Yarmo really doesn't, in the past couple of years, make big commitment signings that I'm going to set aside Alex Winberg at the time, September 1st, 2017, for six years. That was, other than that one, other than that one, it really does not like to commit money to guys who aren't franchise cornerstone guys. Cam Atkinson got paid. Deservedly, uh, it, that, mm-hmm. that was the last big signing. That was yep. November of that year in 2017. Nobody's going to argue with Cam at 5.8 right now. Other than Winberg, there really isn't that kind of money floating around anymore from, from the front office, uh, unless you are committed in a cornerstone. So I think, I think if Duchesne were to sign, he would, he would match that, mm-hmm. that kind of quality and that kind of signing. And I, I trust Yarmo insofar as to not sell the farm for one guy. No, I agree. And I think we've got the cap space to do it, especially, you know, we're losing Bob and Panera and that's $14 million of cap space opened up. Plus Duchesne's 6 million comes off the cap. So we've got plenty of space to do it. Um, sure. I think, I think, I think we'll be, I th- I think the team will be all right. It's I- I'm more, honestly, the, that's not the contract negotiation I'm most interested about. I'm really interested after reading Allison's article on the athletic about, uh, 
what how much this team is going to pay Zach Wierenski and mm. be how much how angry the fan base is going to be when he actually ends up making more than Seth Jones next season because that's right. a thing that's going to happen. I told Jones get his deal in about what two or three years, but yeah, yeah, and Jones and Jones is going to get Drew Doughty money when his contract. Is <laughs> Yeah, that trade that that signing is not going Deservedly to so. please everybody. Yes, for sure, for sure. Pay Seth Jones whatever he wants. Uh, yeah, that 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 signing is not going to go down smooth with every member of the fan base. But so but, it goes. You know, he's he's in. Yeah, it's in, it's it's the rate of inflation. It's the cap going up, and he's in a stronger negotiating position after his first three years. So, what I'm yeah. saying is, pay Duchesne, pay Z, grab grab a second line winger for five million, and let's run it back next season. Right. So we did. There, were, there was a question from Hunter T. Thompson about the possibility of of a sign and trade for Brad and Bob. Uh, Pierre LeBrun had an interesting article in the Athletic referring to that scenario. It was, I think, more likely for Bob than Brad. Do you guys? Would you guys be surprised to see a sign and trade? Would you be interested in a sign and trade? What 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 are your feelings on on that one? I would be very surprised because I don't see how that would play out. I mean, first of all, if Columbus were able to sign either one of them, um, I don't know. I don't know how that would work. I mean, if they sign them and then they trade them, I don't know what kind of return they're getting. I don't know what team is going to be like, well, okay, we got him signed, I guess. But now we got to give up. I don't know. I don't, I don't see how that would play out. I think Florida is the only one that really right. – could do it right too i th- i was gonna say i florida the, oh, the panthers right, yeah. i was gonna Sorry say about that eighth i year. think it would i think it would i think yeah i was gonna say i think it would work for bob especially because panera is gonna get paid wherever he goes mm-hmm. um someone like bob who's on the who's coming up on the wrong side of 30 here needs that eight-year deal he wants that eight-year deal for the money and i would be i would i want to preface this by saying i would be stunned if there was a sign in trade um, I think they're just going to walk and give him the seventh year. Um, they're, they'll both just get the seventh year wherever they go. But if Bob did a, if Bob got like his uh, eight year, no trade and then waived it to go to Florida and Florida sent back, I don't know, a couple draft picks and James Reimer, I would not be overly stunned. Cause then that's goal. Cause, cause then that's goaltending depth behind Elvis. And then we can trade Corpus Allo for whatever asset. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I wouldn't hate it because obviously, if you can, if you can sign them and then trade them, you're getting something. I mean, we're already prepared to let them walk basically for nothing, essentially. But yeah, I mean, if it actually could play out that way, sure, I'll take anything I could pretty much get because mm-hmm. really, the reality is, you're not they're going to walk for you know nothing. But um, I don't see it happening. But yeah, whether it was Reimer and a draft pick or some, and then like you said, trade Corpusalo. Make Reimer the backup, and who knows what Corpusala might fetch. I mean, I, I think he would net something pretty interesting. I mean, any team is going to look at him as a potential starting goalie for them, and uh, you know he's still very young and has a lot of uh, production uh, upside, potential upside. Yeah, I think I also approached the question in a wrong way because I, I approached it as a vacuum, either or, which that's not really the case with these two given the circumstances and, and their representation and all of that, I, you know, it, you can't really say, oh, yeah, this one will work for Bob, but not Panarin, because the way it's looking is, especially with the cat's face floating out, 
you may have to do it for both of them or a package deal. Who knows what's going on? But Seeds, you make that point about this is probably Bob's last contract. And so every year he can squeeze out is, is far more valuable to him than, than Panarin. So heady times, friends, heady times. And for free agencies, three weeks away. So, yep. Who boy. Who boy. It's going to get fun for the next month. All right, we are running out of time. We have final thoughts now, and I think it's, uh, it's a free play, whatever you guys would like to talk about. Okay, uh, my final thoughts, I've got two. The best evolution of Eevee is Umbreon, uh, go dark-type Pokemon. Mm. And uh, I just want to give a shout-out to the USA women who opened the uh, Women's World Cup on Tuesday. Uh, let's hope they bring home uh, their fourth uh, world championship this year. Amen. Woo! So I don't know. I don't know if you guys covered it because I wasn't on last week, but uh, I did finish uh, Curb Your Enthusiasm. So that entire what nine seasons is done. I'm waiting for season ten next year. I binge watched uh, Chernobyl uh, five hours on Friday night, so that was interesting. Chernobyl's so I, good. Yeah, I um, I I was glad I went ahead and watched that, and then uh. It was kind of uh, by episode three, I was like, wow, this is intense. But I was committed to finish the whole thing in <laughs> one night. And uh, yeah, I think Bruins is seven, but I won't be surprised if the Blues figure it out tomorrow. Vaporeon is who I'm going with because I think the ability for ice moves kind of is a little bit of a game changer there. And I was going to say, well, I already plugged the Women's World Cup two weeks ago when nobody was thinking about the Women's World Cup, which is great timing by your boy. Speaking of great timing, my Megan Rapino jersey will get here on Tuesday by three o'clock. So I won't be home for that. Fantastic timing on that one, as I will miss the first match of the group play for the United States. But sorry, there's two more after that, at least. It's also a great time for sports. You know, the, the NBA Finals, which could be over by the time you hear this podcast, but there's also the College World Series going on right now. Super Regionals wrapping up. The College World Series starts this weekend. So even though there's no more hockey after Wednesday night, there's still a lot of good sports. Enjoy it now, and then it's all baseball and NASCAR for the rest of the summer. Sorry, Will. I know you're a baseball guy. I don't mean to slam You're a baseball guy, baseball. Ryan? Yeah, baseball's fine. <laughs> baseball's fine. Anyway. All right. Well, that will do it for us. We're going to thank you so much for listening. Our theme music is Green Eyes by Angela Purley and the Howlin' Moons. They have a new album titled 430 coming out August 2nd. Check them out at angelapurley.com. Rate us, leave us a review, tell your friends about this podcast, write in, because we will talk about clearly what you guys want to talk about. If you want to talk about Pokemon or food or sports as the lean months go on and Jackets news gets thinner and thinner, we'd love to talk to you. If you got a would you rather hockey scenario for us, shoot it to us, CBJ Cannon on Twitter, jacketscannon.com. We, we love you so much. And thank you for listening. And from all of us at the Canon, thank you for listening, and we will see you next week.
Hello, I'm Neelai Patel, the editor-in-chief of The Verge and host of Decoder, a business podcast where I interview CEOs about big ideas, the problems that come from those ideas, and how they make decisions. It is also surprisingly about org charts. It comes up a lot. We're launching a new limited series that we're calling the Centennial Series, where I talk to CEOs of companies that are over 100 years old, like Xerox, Barnes & Noble, and more. There's no 100-year-old company that's without its struggles, and it's been fascinating to talk to these CEOs about which parts of these companies' history are important and which parts they can let go. A little spoiler for you, if a company is over 100 years old, there's a lot of drama to talk about. It's been a good time. You can listen to the Centennial Series right in the Decoder feed. New episodes of Decoder are out on Tuesday, and the Centennial series is out on Thursdays. Check it out. We think you're really going to like it. You can get it wherever you get your podcasts.